My name is Daniel Raymond, the director of Fiddler's Journey to the Big Screen. The phone rings. How would you like to be title in the film Fiddler on the Roof? And I put it down and screamed like, ah! Cut! All right, hold it there. Arthur Krem looked at me and he says, what would you say if we were to say, we want you to direct Fiddler on the Roof? And then I said, what would you say if I told you I'm a goy? Taking a play and bringing it out into the real world, it's always a challenge for a director. Bringing Fiddler to the big screen was certainly one of my great challenges. Jewison is one of the few directors who understood that. He had fantastic sense of rhythm musically. John Williams managed to harness my singing and almost make the verse that I do with the shawl kind of ballad-like. Matchmaker, matchmaker, I'll bring the veil. It's not just about a dairyman with five marriageable daughters. It's more than that. There's something else that gives these shows their power. I found it was quite possible for me to identify with uh, Tevye and to identify with the Jewish religion. Over one billion people saw the film, so they couldn't all be Jewish. Getting to know the actresses who played my sisters brought us close together, which gives you the sense of family. The girls were my family, they were my sisters. Doing the wedding scene, Ross was just following through an instinct to give me a hug. Even in a musical comedy like Fiddler on the Roof, you still feel the pain. And I think that's, you know, that's the heart of the thing. We want a film for everybody. And what is it about the fiddler and the fiddle that we can't let go of? It's, it's the closest thing to a human voice that there is. That's a fiddle. That's worth the price of a ticket. This is Factual America. We're brought to you by Alamo Pictures, an Austin and London-based production company making documentaries about America for international audiences. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week, I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. This week, it is my pleasure to welcome award-winning and Oscar-nominated filmmaker Daniel Rame, director of Fiddler's Journey to the Big Screen. The film captures a bygone era of early television and blockbuster Hollywood musicals. It also shines a light on the incredible career of fellow filmmaker Norman Jewison. Jewison had critical success over more than three decades, but his crowning achievement might be bringing Fiddler on the Roof to the big screen. Legendary film critic Pauline Kael called Fiddler the most powerful movie musical ever made. If you are a fan of the play or Hollywood of the 1960s and 70s, or even if you're not, Stay tuned as we catch up with Daniel and learn more about the unlikely story behind this iconic American film. Daniel, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? I'm doing well, thank you. It's great to be with you on the program. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, so uh, for our listeners and, and viewers, uh, the film we'll be talking about today is uh, Fiddler's Journey to the Big Screens. Come out this year. It's done the uh, festival circuit. It's doing quite well. Uh, is it? How can people see this film? Is it? Is it available yet? It's um, currently in the United States and North America. United States and Canada. It's currently in, playing in theaters and festivals. 
And then it'll be in uh, the UK, I believe, uh, towards the end of the year and playing in other uh, countries uh, around the world as well. Yeah. Well, look, we'll definitely look forward to that here. Uh, we're based in the UK, especially because I'd, I'd love to see this on a big screen. So uh, so thanks. Thanks for that. Um, I mean, it's it seems like uh, it should be relatively obvious from the title, but what is Fiddler's Journey to the Big Screen all about? Can you, can you give us a synopsis? Yeah, it's about director Norman Jewison's quest to uh, adapt this beloved stage, Broadway stage musical, Fiddler on the Roof, uh, in, into uh, a widescreen epic. And it's about his creative journey, a spiritual and creative journey, uh, making the film. Um, and uh, it also highlights the work of a lot of great behind the scenes cinema artists and actors and actresses as well. And, yeah. and uh, they're kind of um, remembrances of, of working with Norman Jewison and making this film. Yeah, I think, uh, and and maybe for for our listeners, because it is, uh, I, I, you know, this has come out roughly in in line with the 50th anniversary of the film. Um, but maybe give, I mean, I'm aware of it because I'm of a certain age, but uh, maybe some perspective on uh, Fiddler, Fiddler on the Roof as a cultural phenomenon. I mean, it, it yeah. you know, because I think maybe people, there'll be some people who don't, don't realize how, how huge this thing was. Yeah. Even the play as well as the the film. The film and the play. Well, in 1962 or 63, uh, the, the lyricist Sheldon Harnick and his uh, com- composer, uh, part writing partner, yeah. Jerry Bach, uh, and, uh, and Broadway um, writer, libretto, who writes librettos, uh, Joseph Stein, the three of them got together with the intention of adapting a series of short stories by acclaimed Yiddish playwright and author, Shalom Aleichem, called yeah. Tevia the Milkman. And they were drawn to the stories of his um, relationship with his daughters and, and, um, and their desire to get you know to to find to start their own life it's oftentimes against the wishes of the father so it brought mm-hmm. in into play the tr- the tension of the between tradition and modernity and they co- created this incredible musical uh that was directed and choreographed by the great uh broadway director choreographer jerome robbins and so the mm-hmm. four of them really came together and adapted and shaped this material into uh, what was originally, you know, thought to be very limited audience, you know, for yeah. just Jewish, because uh, uh, it deals with Jewish life, Jewish shtetl, which is like a small market town, turn of the century Ukraine, which is now right outside of Kiev. Mm. And, um, and, and it exploded in 1964, it became a phenomenon on Broadway. And, uh this is sort of the story of the, that time when United Artists sort of decided, hey, what can we adapt this into a big Hollywood musical? And why, why do you think this story, I mean, why do you think this story resonated then and, and I would say still resonates now? Because it, it, 
you know, it's, I would it's say amazing. that it starts with the, 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 the beauty of the, of the original works, the original uh, short stories by Shalom Aleichem were all so imaginative and rich in, 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 in terms of what he was able to draw out of this kind of universal story about a Jewish milkman and his, right. his family. Yeah. And the genius of the creators of the original Broadway production, how they adapted it so beautifully into a musical and the songs, you know, like Sunrise Sunset and, yeah. and yeah. the themes of Anatevka and, and, the, and, and exile and, 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 and having to be forced out of your homes and all of these issues that are quite powerful and universal and timely still resonate today. And audiences all over the world embraced Fiddle on the Roof in Japan, all over the mm. world as a, their own story. Yeah. Uh, so it was quite a, I think, a, 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 um, yeah, quite a powerful um, a creation by the original Broadway creators. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll add one, for, uh, add one uh, to a uh, personal story. Uh, uh, my, um, I was in the marching band in high school and uh, my uh, freshman year, the half t- the show we put together was all songs from <laughs> Fiddler on the Roof. Hmm. Um, probably helped that we had uh, both band directors were were Jewish. Marching I mean, band, I can hear it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can hear you can. It started off with tradition, and then it you know went went from there. You know, so um, yeah. not. Uh, but anyway, it, it 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 was it permeated the culture. It's um, probably still does, but it's it's but certainly back. Th- so that was in the '80s, you know. I mean, that's uh, it was still there. It's the, the songs are so memorable, and uh, um, yet, like I think you've mentioned in the film, um, you know, this is it revives a lost world of Eastern European Jewry. It's it's kind of a it's a religious movie in many ways, or a spiritual movie, and yet um, it doesn't sound like a big budget blockbuster when you think when you start listing kind of what it's about or what or who the odd intended audience is and uh, why do you think what i mean we we already asked you how it does resonate and you talk is indeed the the original stories but was a lot of this down to norman jewison and and the crew that he put together this amazing crew that he put yeah, together to, the crew to adapt he put this. together the casting Absolutely. I mean, he he was the great conductor of this and had a vision, a very clear vision. And he was at the top of his game as a as a visual storyteller. Yeah. And what he brought with, you know, um, what he brought in terms of a vision and surrounded himself with incredible collaborators. Yeah. And I mean, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about uh, Norman Jewison, because the thing is, um, I've yeah, recognize the name, but he's not like he's not one of these household names necessarily. Right. Uh, but then you start list, looking at the list of his his look at his filmography, and it's amazing. You know the stuff that he he did and he was involved with and nominated three times for best director. Um, so maybe give us a little introduction to to Norman Jewison. Yeah, he's maybe maybe he's most well known for. Uh, both in the heat of the night, which yeah. uh, won yeah. Best Picture uh, in 1967, and Moonstruck, which uh, I don't remember exactly what what accolades that won, but of course Cher <laughs> maybe they won an yeah. Academy Award for that. But I mean, he, you know, and in a way, Fiddler on the Roof is sort of uh, following in the heat of the night his 
Norman Jewison was also a filmmaker who was interested in, in, in making, telling stories that relate to social and political concerns he had. Mm. And I think what he brought a lot of uh, feeling for um, the issues of, of, of uh, the pogroms and the Holocaust and all the, mm. the issues that, that the, the Jewish people experienced at that time. Okay. So one thing that strikes me and having watched this, uh, this, this lovely film that you've, uh, that you've, you've made is that uh, it's, it's a, it's a insights into the, into the art of filmmaking and mm. specifically on how Norman Jewison uh, did it. But uh, um, I mean, it is, and also a, you know, I don't imagine filmmaking's done like well. We know filmmaking's not done exactly this way anymore. Uh, it's a it's a it's a bygone era in some ways, but in other ways, there's these are universal uh, elements, obviously, to to what he did as a filmmaker, and uh, it's an homage to him in many ways. And uh, you know, and I think I guess there's I you, I don't even know where to begin uh, with all the the amazing elements to this as we taught you. We're talking about the team that he assembled, but maybe we can maybe we can start with the music because I think that's probably what most people think of when they first think of uh, Fiddler on the Roof. I mean, um, as you mentioned, uh, Bach and Harnick and the and the the, the Stein, you know, the, so he had he had this amazing music to work with already, but then um, a relatively young, unknown John Williams of Star Wars fame and many others. Mm-hmm gets involved and that's that was an amazing collaboration even before star wars fame so this is 1971 yeah and he i think this might have been his second film uh that he worked on or third but he was um eager to to be part of this uh this project with norman and was there from the beginning they went on research trips to israel and went to archives and listened to yiddish music and Mm. really dug deep into the cultural fabric of jewish life and and music and uh john williams uh was uh i think he this was his first academy award uh win maybe even nomination and he won mm. uh, the best best uh, academy award for musical score not only did he adapt the music for the big screen but he composed an extraordinary uh uh introduction piece called um the con- the uh, like a uh, uh, cadenza right. which is a seven minute piece uh, for the ro- um, opening credits where we see which a fiddler on the roof with the titles yeah and the, this incredible performance uh, by the maestro uh, violinist um, Isaac Stern. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think what was interesting because you've got uh, you've got interviews with Williams, and he he talks about uh, Jewison's uh, natural musicality, um, which was yeah. interesting. Uh, well, and never he had think to about work that. With Norman, and, yeah. And the, so Norman, who. He, who had a, a background in musical theater, Norman Jewison, his start in, in terms of as a director was directing live musical television. And mm. uh, famously, Norman Jewison uh, directed Harry Belafonte, Tonight with Harry Belafonte, yeah. and uh, the Judy Garland show. Right. And, uh, I learned from speaking with John Williams that 
at, even at that time, John Williams uh, sensed that Norman understood where to place the camera and how to move the camera mm -hmm. in re in regards to the to, to how the music is, is 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 flowing and and Norman I think was you know but his aunt Fortin taught him to gave him piano lessons and, right. and so he had a musical background which clearly informed uh powerfully informed the making of both might I say Fiddler on the Roof and his follow-up film Jesus Christ Superstar exactly Exactly. Um, and then, I mean, probably maybe what flows from that as well is, and, and again, it's not something I had thought about, was how to incorporate this. And as you said, how he's able to, um, has this musicality and knows how to, to, to film this, uh, the importance of set design in, in all of this. And John mm -hmm. Williams mentions that. I mean, knowing exactly how many steps you need from this point to that point and how you build a set around that is, you know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, I'm, I'm as a documentary filmmaker, um, I've been curious to learn, to investigate and talk with, uh, uh, cinema artists in terms of the collaborative, it's such a collaborative medium. Yeah. So, so, you know, the only one person for making, you know, for Fiddler's Journey to the big screen that we couldn't get is the choreographer. But right. uh, it was great to have uh, John Williams comment on production designer Robert Boyle's mm. set for, of the barn. And as you mentioned, how many steps of the ladder Topol has to climb up and do we need to remove one you know, step yeah. of the ladder so he gets up on that beat for If I Were a Rich Man? And how do you create a musical number? I mean, starting from scratch, starting from adapting the the vocals um, of that singer to the playback and and everything that mm. goes with it. Yeah, and then, and then I and and, and as he decided as uh, as uh, Norman had decided that it wasn't you know you were going to be it, it was like an actual film. You know, it wasn't just like they're kind of on stage and you're watching them, you, you know, like you would in a theater. Uh, this is actually, you're there in amongst them. Um, you certainly are. Yeah. And then in what you're saying, and I know you've, I think you've done a short on, uh, on Robert Boyle. And I think, uh, um, you know, what he was able to do, I, you know, again, um, I didn't have an appreciation for this, but recreating shtetl life, but you know, uh, I, I've I've had some experience with Eastern Europe, and I know about wooden Eastern European architecture. But to then find this village in 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 well the, now the former Yugoslavia, but that existed, and finding craftsmen that could build you know to build this attention to detail to build a synagogue from mm. from scratch because they don't exist unfortunately didn't exist anymore anywhere. Right, specifically wooden synagogues that are painted uh, with symbolism right. and, 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 and Hebrew letters. And, and so according to, you know, they, they had this big research project where they traveled through Eastern Europe and there were no surviving, there were no synagogues survived uh, after World War II, after the Holocaust, but they were able to piece together through archival photographs, what it might've looked like and recreated uh, an actual structure in Lekanek, Yugoslavia, uh, using, as you noted, the real wood of that area. Yeah, and it's this. Um, um, and then I guess the ne next. I mean, there's 
And then you've got, yeah, this the cinematography with all this and the great Ozzy Morris was the cinematographer. And uh, I mean, he did he literally film all those scenes through silk stockings, as we find out? In the- you Certainly a majority of the film looks to me as if it was actually shot through a silk stocking. Yeah. And there are certain... Uh, scenes where they're panning, uh, where the sun is reflecting into the lens, you can actually see the the texture of the silk stockings uh, more so. And uh, so certainly uh, that 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 was the case. Yeah. I mean, it would be CGI now, but I think it's, uh, but but just literally like because you've got you know you've got uh, Norman Jerson saying you know they literally waiting for the for the sunset you know. For, for that mm. wedding scene and and putting all that together and the candles and stuff and just uh, the uh, what they had to you know filming this in 1970 or so you know how yeah. they had what the what they had to do to to bring that to life in in the way they did is 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 remarkable that's the wedding procession scene Norman had referred to it as one of the most beautiful shots in all of his oeuvre in his, yeah, yeah. his body of work and uh to your point, they did wait for the sun, you know, the magic hour for sun, yeah, for the yeah. sunset. sunrise, sunset, you know, is the mm. theme the song that they sing under the hoopah, under the canopy at the yeah. wedding. But the procession going up to the where the wedding took place and everyone's holding candles. And mm. it's great to see not only, I mean, one of the great uh, uh, discoveries in making this doc was uh uh, as I was interviewing um, Michelle Marsh, who plays right. Hoggle, one mm-hmm. of the daughters, uh, went up to her home. This is in basically one year ago this month in May 2021. Uh, we were asked to enter her house with our gear through the garage. And in her garage was this box and it said Fiddler on the Roof. And I said, Michelle, what's what's in this box? She said, oh, that's my evacuation box. Because here in California, we're dealing with fires. And so I oh, said, well, right. great. Can we please bring your evacuation box into the interview and go, you know, pour, you know, go through the materials? And in that box was a series of Polaroids uh, that we see in the documentary. Yeah. Never before seen that she took, her friends took, of the behind the scenes of the making of that proscenium that that the procession uh to the wedding and other gems so yeah. that was like a documentary filmmaker's dream <laughs> if, if you could all just walk through someone's garage and find the the magic box I if you highly will. recommend it yes. <laughs> exactly I, I think actually i'm gonna we're gonna give our uh, listeners a uh an early break here, but we'll be right back with uh, Daniel Rame, the director of Fiddler's Journey to the Big Screen uh, at festivals and in theaters in the U.S. and coming to the U.K. and rest of the world, uh, hopefully by the end of this year. If you enjoy Factual America, check out the Movie Maker podcast. That's all one word, Movie Maker where our friends at MovieMaker.com interview everyone from filmmakers just breaking in to A-listers like David Fincher and Edgar Wright about their movie-making secrets and behind-the-scenes tricks of the trade. They go deep and let the guests speak uninterrupted to get you the most film insight. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with acclaimed filmmaker Daniel Rame, director of Fiddler's Journey to the Big Screen, it's out now in theaters. 
you might see it at a music fe- uh, film festival, and as well, it will be coming out here in the UK later this year, and I'm sure there's a wi- rest of the world wider release planned as well. Uh, we were talking about this, uh, so we're talking about Norman Jewison and the this incredible crew that he assembled to to bring Fiddler on the Roof uh, to life. Um, and the one thing, I guess you've, you've mentioned it, but uh, we haven't discussed necessarily in more detail, is the uh, also the incredible cast he has assembled and, um, um, I guess, led by uh, Topol. But uh, uh, was Jewis, I mean, is, is Jewis, and would he be considered an actor's director? Is that... Uh, because it, it, it seems like everyone has a certainly does no one has anything uh, unkind to say that's for sure on the contrary i yeah. think that's part of his genius and his brilliance is making actors feeling <clears throat> incredibly comfortable mm. and secure and working in this case with non-actors first time in front of a camera mm. uh mainly the three actresses who yeah. played uh, te- the Tevia, the milkman's eldest daughters, Topol's right. eldest daughters. And even Topol, who had, this was his first big production, you know, the yeah. big, he had acted before. Now, what's interesting, Topol's 32 years old when he's playing Tevia, the milkman, yeah. but he looks like he could be, you know, an elderly father in his 50s or whatever with the yeah. beard and the gray beard. And yeah. they would have to trim some of the gray hairs from Jewison's beard to apply to Topol's beard. But yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Well, yeah, I know that's a, a so it, I, and I noticed he's, uh, I think he's, Topol's still alive, isn't he? I mean, he's, uh, he you know, so it's uh, quite amazing. Yeah, I didn't realize how young he was at the at the time, but, uh, um, and, and I think the movie does a great job of uh, also explaining how, you know, obviously the great Zero Mustel was uh, uh, played uh, Tevion on Broadway, but uh, fine, you know, how, how Jewison, I think that's the other thing, how Jewison had his vision. He wasn't beholden to the vision that people might have had of what it's, this is how it's done on Broadway, so this is how it's going to be brought right. to the big screen. He yeah. had a different vision and had an understanding of what would work on, on, on the screen, didn't he? I mean, it's absolutely two different mediums, right? Yeah. So there's one medium, theater, Broadway, where an actor of Zero Mostel's larger than life can gesturing can 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 communicate to the last row in the theater yeah, yeah. whereas he needed an actor that jewison wanted first of all to kind of re-envision the look and feel and tone of fiddler on the roof and for and set it in a real uh uh jewish shtetl basically mm. and that's why they spent so many months searching for the right location in Eastern Europe, finally settling in uh, uh, former Yugoslavia. Um, And, you know, looking at his body of work, right? Or his early comedies for for Universal, with Doris Day, and and then the the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming with Alan Arkin, right? What an incredible performance uh, as, uh, you know, uh, a, a Russian submarine captain, right? Yeah. So full of humor and warmth. He's kind of, uh, and then, um, you know, in the, in the, in the making in the heat of the night with Sidney Poitier. I mean, what a performance, right? Yeah. Yeah. And following that, the Thomas Crown Affair and how he could navigate, negotiate with the great actor. Um, Steve, my gosh. Steve McQueen, yeah. 
Steve McQueen yeah. and, and figure out, you know, how to get the best out of the juice as he was known at that time yeah, exactly. and really bring him into, you know, I mean, it's such a great character study, the Thomas Crown affair. Yeah. And then he did Gailey Gailey and then Fiddle on the Roof. And so by the time he did Fiddle on the Roof, I think um, he had already um, um, been established as, as a great actor's well, director. Well, you just described... Yeah, you know, sorry, sorry. I was just gonna say you described one hell of a run, just even yeah. in that the five to whatever year That's period right. it is. Yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. Absolutely, and I mean, if you look at the quality of the performances, also go all the way into the nineteen eighties into Moonstruck, right? right? Right. Or Hurricane with Denzel Washington. He's yeah. Able the way he's able to elicit very meaningful humanistic performances, I think it's kind of extraordinary. Yeah. And what about your film? I mean, how did this project come about? Um, well, um, there's several sort of... First, I think the big, the big thing is that when I was a, uh, a student at the American Film Institute yeah. in 1997, my professor was Fiddler on the Roof production designer Robert Boyle, who appears oh, in the documentary. Right. And I was... Um, uh, capti- captivated by his, his, what was interesting about learning from Robert Boyle was that any, you know, any great cinema artist, whether you're an editor, production designer, cinematographer, mm. you're a storyteller. And yeah. his, the way he kind of taught us about what does it mean to be a cinema artist, a visual storyteller. Mm. And it's not just about building walls and creating sets. It's really about character and story. So I learned so much from him. And he was also the production designer, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's chief yeah. production designer, uh, going back to Shadow of a Saboteur, Shadow of a Doubt, North by Northwest, The Birds and Marnie. And I decided he would make a great subject for a documentary. And it was my first film after film school. It was a short subject about Robert Boyle called The Man on Lincoln's Nose, which is uh, the working title of North by Northwest. It's a reference to his work on that. Ah. And that's where I met Norman Jewison uh, making that film. And I interviewed both Norman in 2000 and Robert Boyle. And a part of that documentary uh, investigates their collaboration, making Fiddle on the Roof. So it's already thinking about mm. these two cinema artists and, and, and totally uh, excited because the thing is for me on a personal level, when I was 13, uh, my grandparents who had survived the Holocaust yeah. showed me Fiddle on the Roof. I didn't know the music. I had never seen the play. They popped it on their TV. They had a double VHS cassette. <laughs> and I was totally transported. And yeah. like so many, might I say, millions of people who yeah. learn about Jewish culture and Jewish history yeah. through Fiddle on the Roof, I was completely captivated by the music the story but also the detail of the production design and 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 the you know i wasn't thinking oh production design. i was thinking about it's like that was norman jewison's intention is to bring us into this shtetl into this so we feel the mud yeah. you know <laughs> yeah yeah toiling of the earth and we feel that that the jewish um cultural uh the beauty and the pain as 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 beautifully presented in the film and and while i'm watching this film on the to the left of the tv is a portrait of my great-grandparents who died in the holocaust and for me all that turning together my own interest in cinema and jewish history yeah and mormon jewison specifically uh led me to make this film 
Okay. But yet still sort of 20 years in the making kind of yeah. to, to get, well, but it's, it's filmmaking. Because there's so much stuff. to say about yeah. Fiddler on the Roof. I mean, you can make, endless, I mean, you can make so many, like, so yeah. in the time that I'm doing interviews in 2009, I saw, finally saw Fiddler on the Roof performed live. It was the, the Topol farewell tour in Los Angeles. And, right. And uh, it, that's when I first thought, let's do a feature film. Yeah. Because what happened was <laughs> I knew the music at that point. Yeah. I knew Topol, but it was so um, interesting to see the, the, the theater version, which was Jerome Robbins vision, as opposed to mm -hmm. Norman Jewison's vision. And, but what was also striking for me was that the audience was made up of a very diverse ethnic background. Mm. I mean, it was like a, a, a a kind of a uh, incredible to see that this story, which I thought was so specific to Jewish life and Jewish history, mm -hmm. reaches the hearts and souls of millions of people who are not Jewish, and yeah. um, and it's not even about that for them. It's exactly. Not, it's it's uh, that's that's the genius I think of of both Shulam Aleichem's stories and um, and Norman Jew all the way through Norman's film. Yeah. Um. I mean, what is the? I, 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 to be honest, I have not seen the um, the uh, theater production. What is what is the big difference in the visions between the two? I would say the big difference is that in the um, process of of designing the world of the Broadway production, Jerome Robbins gravitated towards a painting by Mark Chagall, right? That depicted uh, in a very surrealist way a fiddler hovering right. above a roof. Yes, and his set designer Boris Aronson uh, um, designed the the stage production to emulate that Chagall esque mm. uh, surrealistic uh, vision um, of a shtetl in a town, and that worked beautifully. But Jewison, this is 1971, and New Hollywood was gravitating towards kind of a gritty right. realism, right? Yeah. So Jewison. Brought his movie into this kind of realistic, and he he didn't completely ditch the Chagall aesthetic, but he certainly from the from the visual design, the visual structure of Jewison's film, it's it's realistic, it's realism as opposed mm. to you know surrealism, but one could say that Jewison brought the spirit of Chagall mm. into the film in other ways and bought a watercolor of a Chagall, an original Chagall yeah. lithograph, maybe not a watercolor, yeah. and brought it to the recording studio when they, when Isaac Stern uh, yeah. and John Williams recorded uh, the, the cadenza and the score. And uh, I would say that one of my favorite stories that Jewess and Norman Jewison tells is that he brought the painting and Isaac Stern says, we have, you know, we were, he was about to start the recording and Isaac Stern says, we have Chagall here, we have the Fiddler. And then Isaac Stern says, Chagall's uncle used to climb up on the roof and get drunk and yeah. play the fiddle. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> going to play a quarter tone flat. Yeah. And we have the spirit of Chagall here. So I would say that's the difference between yeah. the two things. And fundamentally too, the we should say that the casting of Topol is antithetical. Yeah. You know, it's a whole other uh physicality 
that Topol brought and, 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 and uh, zero Mostel versus Topol, you know, it would have been a very different movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, indeed. So you had this, uh, you obviously had this relationship with, uh, with Robert Boyle and uh, Norman Jewison and, um, but when you go to make this film, I mean, did, did, did you know you had this uh, this incredible archive footage uh, access to this? Because it's it's amazing, you know. They, this fi- I'm talking about the filming on the set. I mean, I, I don't imagine that that was all that common back then. I don't think it was all that common. And and in 1970, when they were making Fiddler on the Roof, the National Film Board of Canada sent a crew with 16 millimeter cameras to film Norman Jewison, who's a Canadian treasure, right? right? Uh, born in Toronto, uh, to prof- you know, to, to 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 follow him directing both on location in former Yugoslavia, Lekanek and uh, mm-hmm. Zagreb, and as well in the Pinewood Studios in London, where they shot a lot of the interiors. And we were very fortunate to work with the National Film Board of Canada and to scan the camera masters, uh, sixteen millimeter camera masters, into two K files uh to really show norman at work as well as his collaborators it was uh, i think really important uh uh element to to making this film yes and i imagine fans of the well even if you're not a fan or don't know the film that well but you know fans of the film certainly it's uh it's quite a quite a treat to to see to see how this was how this was done Uh, you know especially the the bottle dance sequence yes so memorable but to see the cinema the the camera operator yeah and the focus puller <laughs> yeah yeah dancing with them in, yeah. in, in, in norman just orchestrating it it's just such a so beautiful and you get to see him working with the actors yeah. and kind of really conducting in the physical what it means to be a director he's not a quiet director he doesn't sit kind of yeah. behind he's not an observer he's very physical and he's with the actors and he's eliciting a performance. Well, he's like, I mean, he's almost literally shouting in Topol's face at one point in one scene, you know, it's like uh, all in good fun, good nature, you know, but he's trying, but what he's trying to achieve, you know, he's, he's, he is very hands-on. It was very, very interesting. In that moment, he's actually in character as another, and he's in character and showing the level of intensity and energy that he, yeah. and, and, and one of the actresses, Neva Small, says he could also play a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it strikes me that uh, involvement with Fiddler on the Roof seems to ensure a long life. So you've got, uh, you've still got mm. all, so many of these people who are, I mean, are still with us remarkably. Um, so, yeah. you know, uh, Norman J- uh, Jewison still around. We got John Williams. You had recent interviews with him. Uh, we've got Sheldon Harnick, who's you know still going strong. Amazing. Um, I mean, that was uh, that must have been a, a, a obviously you, st- you still got the three actresses who played the the sisters. Um, I mean, that that must have been such a blessing to have be able to even as you say, some of these uh, interviews only occurred in the last year or so to, to still have access to these people. Yeah. No, like John Williams is 90 years old and yeah. his memory, his ability to recall names and remember certain yeah. details is exceptional. I'm better than me. <laughs> so, I mean, and Norman Jewison, I think, I think that that's something 
that I appreciate that documentaries can do is kind of, you have this sort of collective vision of memory, this kind of collective mm. memory, right? And I think memory and, and, um, um, and I don't mean just your ability to remember, but just that the, the theme of memory um, and, 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 and clearly what comes through in the, for me in terms of the movie and doing the interviews is that there's a, a, a very special place in the heart of all these uh, artists that worked on the movie, even 50 years later, even yeah. John Williams, who went on to have the most extraordinary yeah. career in movies has a profoundly special place in his, you know, special place in his heart for Fiddler. And, uh, and, and that's an interesting point because I think if you ask people, what did John Williams do? Very few people probably even realize even fans of the film that he was, he's, he's the man behind the music, at least for the film, you know? Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, we're going to, I think we're starting to come up on uh, our time together, starting to come to close, uh, Daniel, but I just had a, a few more questions. Um, uh, I, I know from your filmography, you do, you've done a lot of, well, it's varied, but you've done a lot of shorts. Is that uh, short docs? Is that, uh, um, is you have a preference for shorts or is that just kind of the, the subject matter has, has kind of led you in that, that direction? Well, my first documentary about Robert Boyle was a short subject. Yeah. It was 40 minutes. Um, that was actually the only short I made uh, independently and was uh, very blessed that it went on to become Oscar nominated, that yeah. doc, the, the Man on Lincoln's Nose, which, by the way, I plan to include in the Blu-ray <laughs> of Fiddler's Journey to the Big Screen, because okay. in a way it's kind of a full circle. But I yeah. have done a, a number of documentary short subjects uh, that you might be referring to for the Criterion Collection. I see. Uh, yeah. yeah, which is a distributor of, of, of um, Blu-rays. They create these amazing packages. Right discs of, of, of great like auteurs and it's been um, uh, quite quite a um, uh, an adventure and a great adventure to, to sort of investigate with criterion the the work of these these some of these great masters well I I, I, I spotted that uh, for instance you had something on there about Andre Rublev. Um yeah you know I'd love I, I love that film and you know that mm -hmm. sounds like uh, something I would definitely am going to have to check out. Um, so that's no, I mean it's and it's there is this sort of I mean what I find interesting and in just you know this the only film of years I've had the privilege of of watching thus far. But uh, this this the sort of these uh, these subjects who are kind of unknown behind the camera, but who are so key and important to. Um, mm to the the Hollywood that we've grown to love and how, you know, certainly the throughout the, you know, you know, not just Robert Boyle, but others um, yes. that you've done. It's, it's, it's a, it's, is, is that something that's just kind of evolved? Is it kind of organically well, I, or, you know, it's I, obviously you have an interest, but. Yeah. The one that comes to mind is uh, in 2015, I had a, I made a documentary uh, called Harold and Lillian, a Hollywood love story. Yeah. It premiered at the Cannes film festival and screened uh, all over the world in theaters and Netflix. And it's really this story about this unsung heroes of Hollywood, this couple, yeah. Harold Michelson was a storyboard artist, worked with Hitchcock yeah. and DeMille and Kubrick. His wife Lillian was a film researcher 
rarely do you ever see their names on screens. Yeah. But Harold Michelson, who also worked with Robert Boyle on Fiddle on the Roof, as a storyboard artist, would be assigned a movie like The Graduate. And right. he was recording a leg man. And, 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 and you meet these incredible artists and you talk with them and you find out that he's the one who conceived of this very iconic leg shot from The Graduate. With oh, my goodness. Framed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, through 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 Dustin, you know, uh, Dustin Hoffman framed against uh, Anne Brank- Bancroft's leg, yeah, and that's the work and contributions of, of of these incredible cinema artists. And in the case of Fiddler's Journey, we hear about Ozzy Morris, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. the cinematographer and his journey. Yeah. And I just I, I think it's so important to humanize Hollywood, to humanize these. Yeah and not just Hollywood, but, you know, world cinema and to humanize and pay tribute to the uh, incredible cinema artists that are working and doing work as relevant and as important as the director or anybody else on the set. Mm. And so what's, uh, what's next for you after I do have, uh, so next year, 2023 is the 120th anniversary of the birth of the great Japanese director Yasujiro Ozu. And I will be making a feature documentary okay. uh, about Ozu uh, and uh, in partnership with uh, Shochiku and uh, the studio that made his movies, uh, including Tokyo Story and uh, Good Morning and Late mm. Spring. That'll be a treat. And I like Fiddler's Journey, my plan is to interview um, uh, cast and crew members that work with Ozu and also tell the story of his life and art through his own words. Okay. Well, definitely looking forward to that. And so imagine that's that's in production now, is it? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, well good luck with that. And um, just want to say thank you. Thank you for coming to uh, Factual America. It's been a real pleasure uh, talking with you, Daniel. And uh, we'd love to have you back on sometime. Uh, so, um, so, so, thank you again for making this this lovely film, uh, Fiddler's Journey to the Big Screen, uh, in theaters in the U.S. now, coming to the U.K. and rest of the world later this year. So, again, thank you to Daniel Rame for for your time today. We really much, very much appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure speaking right. with you. Oh well, thank you. I'd like to give a shout-out to Sam and Joe Graves at Intersound Audio in Eskrik, England, in deepest, darkest Yorkshire. A big thanks to Nevin Apanovich, podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show. And finally, a big thanks to our listeners. As always, we love to hear from you, so please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas. You can reach out to us on YouTube, social media, or directly by going to our website, www.factualamerica.com and clicking on the Get In Touch link. And as always, please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.